until it doesn't work. And then it's like, oh my God, what is it even doing? And it's so hard to figure out. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 279 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Saranyit Bark. Hey, everybody. Jessica Kerr. Good morning. Coraline Ada Emke. I am new and improved. David Brady. Alexa, order me a new pair of headphones. Uh, it's subtle. You got to think about it. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week we have a special guest, and that is Jerome Hardaway. Hey, everybody. I don't have anything quirky to say. <laughs> Sorry. That works. I'm always stunned by what David says. So. Do you want to give us a brief introduction? Yeah, Roger that. Yes, sir. Uh, like you said, Jerome Hardaway is my name. Uh, what I do is I help veterans learn how to program through a nonprofit called Vets Who Code. I myself am a, uh, in the military terms, so we like to call it is OEF, OIF, which is Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, uh, combat veteran, served in both Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, once I came out of the military, I realized that there were, weren't a lot of opportunities for me that had the same type of uh, same type of community as well as benefits as the military. So I went started learning how to program. And once I learned how to program, I saw this as a really um, low-cost, tangible way of helping other veterans transition successfully into the civilian workforce. So I started helping other veterans learn how to code and training them in software programming, specifically uh, Ruby on Rails. Very cool. Which branch of the military did you serve in? I'm curious. Uh, I served United States Air Force. Uh, they have a special program. You can Google it uh, called the Phoenix Raven Program, in which uh, actually now I think we've opened it up to all the services. But basically what they do is that they take you uh, into, like, I was in security forces, and then they added more training onto it to, um, so I could fly around the world and be fully deployable. I think I spent, of my entire time, I think I spent maybe one, two years um, stateside. I think most of that was like training. So, Very cool. Do you want to give us a brief introduction to Vets Who Code? Uh, Roger that. Uh, Vets Who Code is a uh, veteran-founded and operated 501c3 that focuses on teaching veterans how to program in software development with a focus on uh, what we like to call our VWC, our Vets Who Code stack, which is... Uh, Angular, Bootstrap, Rails with uh, Postgres database, and uh, also a deployment in uh, Heroku and Amazon Web Services or Elasticsearch, EC2, whatever you're more comfortable with. We just do this over the course of 19 weeks. And what then after that, what happens is that we help our veterans get um, jobs or whatever sector or whatever state they're in. So far, we've done 80 vets. And We've done this in 14 states. We actually have a cohort going on now. Actually, this is month two, so we've started in Rails uh, literally yesterday. Um, that's a that's a little that's a little bit about us. A little more about us. What we do. That is fantastic. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, I, I'm a little curious. How do you find instructors? Instructors, and how do you find veterans who need uh, need help learning to code? Actually, what has happened with the instructor side, we have two instructors, but I've also stepped in to make sure everybody gets more than enough time uh, when it comes to learning because we try to keep the classroom small and as concentrated as possible so everyone gets their time. But when it comes to veterans, that's literally the easiest part for us because we're uh, 50% of the team is veterans and we're in that space and with both technology and in the veteran space. So when people ask us questions, we're able to talk about it. Um, our current cohort, we had 113 applicants that um, applied for it. And it's, it was like insane because we usually do no more than 10 people. Uh, we try to keep it at a max 13, but that's how many people came and wanted to like be a part of our learning experience. We accepted uh, six. You know, we've been just training those people. Uh, basically, we've done we've actually done a split course uh, this time, in which one course is focusing a lot stronger on front end web development as well as Rails, and one is focusing on um, a lot more in depth server side communication. I mean, server side web development because uh, that's what 
they are that's what they want to learn they really want one a couple of guys they really wanted to focus get really deep into like service like uh software development and one uh side already had like a really strong showing in front end web development and design in particular so that's what we've done and then we're going to switch to the two so we can focus on uh a little more service side on one a little more front end on the other but that's uh that's what we've been doing it's been really crazy experience Jerome, is this a free um, a free experience for veterans, or is there a fee associated with it, oh. or how how exactly does that model work? We uh, we get, we are a hundred percent off donations uh, donations for people to support us by uh, buying our uh, t shirts or our notebooks. Um, one hundred percent free for veterans. We don't charge veterans that qualify anything. Um, we've actually been asked to open it up to non-qualifying veterans and try to uh and charge them but we just don't feel as a veteran i don't feel right in that and one of the things is that if you can afford educate uh, software development education i'd rather you go to uh one of those like really really great for-profit code schools like general assembly uh because i just really want to focus on those that we can have uh impact as well as have the aptitude for it a lot of veterans we focus on uh they would uh a lot of veterans we focus on what happens is they are like within the one year out to two to five years uh there was one year about to get out to two to five years about to um, already out in the civilian sector, and they're in what is called by the Department of Veteran Affairs that vulnerable population. Which, if you don't, uh, if things don't start happening really fast and start clicking really early for them in regards to their transition, they can end up being um, either homeless or uh, even worse, dealing with suicide, alcoholism, drug addiction, things of that nature, because just because of the Methods they got, they have been exited. They've exited the military. We know for a fact that the last year out, um, last year in the military, the first two years out of the military are literally the most volatile years for a uh, military veteran. So those are the that's the part of the population I tend to focus the most on. Um, veterans that are exiting really early on in uh, the really early on in their ex in their military exit. So that way we can get them early, train them up, get them into a stable uh, work environment, and then we can minimize uh, that damage that happens when it comes to transitioning out of the military. What, um, Jerome, what do you think is different about um, the experience that you provide to veterans that they would not get from a traditional boot camp? And I'm asking because I'm like, I'm kind of curious. I, I actually mentored a um, an Iraq uh, war veteran um, out of dead boot camp, um, and I'm curious as to like what their what the veterans' needs are that are different relative to maybe the average person going through a coding school boot camp. Like what what kind of what kind of special needs do they do they have? What sort of like accommodations do you have to make? What sort of changes in learning style do you have to adapt to? What what are the special considerations? Roger that. Well, for us, what we focus on is a what we like to call not only software education but also situational education, uh, because they're transitioning into uh, the civilian sector at the same time. So you're literally having to learn. Uh, what we like to say, two separate cultures. You have to learn the technology, the tech community, and you have to learn uh, civilian culture. Everything from the, uh, for instance, when it comes to the whole total difference of applying or qualifying for a job in the military is a uh, complete 180 as it is for the civilian sector. So even from the basics of doing like resumes and networking, a lot of veterans don't even know what networking is, much less how to do it when they exit. You know, one of our homework, uh, one of our homework, uh, I'm sorry, I apologize for that. Well, I had to burp. <laughs> uh, one of our homework assignments is having to go to a meetup at least once a month in their local community, as well as we do other various integration exercises, forcing them to get into other Slack channels or just get in other communities and speak, as well as getting civilian or veteran mentors who are who've already made that transition to uh be a mentor for that veteran but uh you have 
the culture for being in civilian culture. You have the issues of learning technology because, um, for instance, one of our veterans that's currently going through the program, he had a really strong front-end background, but because he was in the military, I don't know if any of you guys ever had experience with the military uh, environment, his idea of what good design was is a little uh, not polished is what I'm going to say. Ceremonial, maybe? <laughs> Formal. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really bland. We're just going to use it like, it was like, okay, so we have to work on, you know, all right, I understand this is what they, that what we've been pushed and trained on how to make it look here, but here are some great examples. Here's some great TED Talks. Here's an NPR podcast I want you to listen to. Here's Smashing Magazine. Let's uh, go through this uh simple design uh, thinking tutorial, or even um, one of our uh, one of our team members, Andrew Lebowitz, uh, Smashing Magazine, uh, was the magazine I was speaking about. And uh, one of our team members, Andrew Lebowitz, he's actually a brand strategist and uh, art director, and the guy is amazing. He used to do uh, really, really well work for companies like uh, FedEx, BMW. He's just he's amazing when it comes to design. He actually helped us when we when it came to revamping our site, and it's to the point now anything that goes onto a person's like hand or anything they have to see doesn't even get released if he doesn't give the okay for it. Uh, <laughs> so. That these are all things that like unique problems that we come across. Not only that, just dealing with, um, for instance, one of the things that we come across regularly is how to learn how to program with PTSD, as that is a totally different segue of like segment of how to learn. Basically, learning with an anxiety disorder is one thing that we tend to work on. And I have experience as a uh, as a what was that term that we used to use. Basically, a peer support specialist. There you go. Uh, but so I took that experience as peer support specialist and working with uh, psychologists and helping other veterans with post-traumatic stress to segue and turn into how to help people with PTSD learn how to program. So that's one of the other uh, methodologies that we look at when it comes to veterans, not just uh, how, learn how to code, but the social aspect, aspects as well. And that's what I find so interesting because it's not it's not just about technical education. And I was at Microsoft doing Tech Jobs Academy, working with lower income, unemployed, underemployed New Yorkers. That's what I learned, too, is that the technical knowledge is part of it. But a much bigger part of it is just the support system, the emotional support, the financial support, just a lot of things that were not about learning to code. When it comes to vets who code in your program, how much time would you say you spend actually focusing on code itself and how much of it is the other stuff that's needed to be a successful student? Uh, I think it's an 80-20 ratio, uh, 80% on code, 20% on just the social aspect. It's pretty good. Uh, we focus on like that, you know, just try to have that 80-20 rule in place for everything. And, you know, one of the things that we do is uh, one of the things we started doing. What you guys, any of you guys are invited if you want to do uh, be a part of this, uh, is we're starting to do Slack side chats where we invite people who have been in the industry and just have the veterans talk and ask questions. Uh, last month we had Zed Shaw come in and he, and you know, a lot of people don't know that Zed is an Army veteran, which is like pretty cool and it helped the veterans like get a lot more comfortable. Because Zed's been there, done that on both ends. He went from being in the Army to uh, writing Mongrel. Uh, so uh, things like that that we are doing to try to focus on, you know what, we understand that you want to learn a skill, but there's also a social aspect to this, and you can't be in your little, like, bubble. And we, you know, we're always doing uh, hawk checks, or what we like to call health and wellness checks. So I randomly uh, just pick up the phone or hit them up in Slack and call up for a meeting just to see how they're doing uh, when it comes to like their mental space. Like, how are you doing? How is the work? Is the work low to? Uh, is work low too intense? Are you needing help with something that you may not be wanting to share in front of the other troops? 
uh, things of that nature. You're always trying, and I'm, you know, I think I get that from the military is like you're always looking to do the buddy check to see who needs uh, a little more help or who may uh, feel like they're being neglected or something like that and try to give them that extra attention. Because in the military, I think the best uh, saying that we had was that our number one resource is people because without the people, uh, the planes don't fly and the uh, boats don't uh, float. So, that's oh, wow, that's really that's really fascinating. I would love to see like a blog post on this hawk check applied to development work. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you guys, um, well, we because we use hawk and AAR like after action review. Like these are the terms that we use in our Slack. I think you guys uh, call it uh, stand-ups uh, when it comes to civilians or in, when in web development. It's called, usually called stand-up where you stand in a circle and you're doing like a uh, – no, H-A-W-C, um, Hawk, uh, Health and Wellness Check. Yes, sir? Oh, gotcha. Uh, but that's what it, you guys call it, stand-ups, where you're asking for problems and if they need help. But we – and because we're military, we call – we do sit-reps – uh, hawk checks in AAR. AAR is after action review, which is immediately after class. We see what could have gone, what went really well. Uh, yeah, yes, AAR uh, after action review. What went really well? What could have done better? How do you feel? What do you need more work on? And um, is there anything coming up in the next 24 to 72 hours that you may need? You know, that may deter you from learning at the optimal levels. Then we do hawk checks which basically wants us to, we do the health and wellness check just to see how our veterans uh, are doing. Has how often do you do those? I do a heart check at least once or twice a week. Uh, AAR is every after every class, so we do AAR at least four times a week, uh, heart checks at least twice a week, and sit rep situation reports is just random. Like, you know, that's what a sit, a sit rep is. You're just doing a randomized uh, request of like how that person is like you know we had one uh, individual who just uh, his wife was pregnant like that's one thing that you know I think that's the most rewarding part of this work is that at least one quarter we have people who are going through life changing experiences of like bringing another having a baby so it's so cool that you know I'm I'm always a part of this you know at least one person is doing this and they're putting their uh, nose to the grindstone because, you know, they want a better life for someone else. And, and like, that's really humbling when you like look at your work like that. So, uh, so when, specifically for him, we had to make sure uh, that he had some uh, leniency, some wiggle room because, you know, I too have a wife and I would, I can only imagine how my wife would be if she was pregnant during the last trimester. So we would definitely like, you know, uh, we are all walking on eggshells around her because I do not want to be the one to get yelled at. Uh, like I'm scared of everybody's wife as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we have a there's a running joke where usually when I tell everybody who's married is that um, you're gonna be spending so much time learning that eventually you're going to get fussed at because your wife, your significant other is going to say you're playing on the computer. Like my wife, she still says that now. But I was like, but after they get mad at you, the second person that you should get mad at is me. So I always try to make sure <laughs> that like you have an ample enough time to spend with your family because I, you know what, you don't want to yell at, I don't want to get yelled at. Usually when she gets done yelling at you, they come for me. So let's not get yelled at together. Um, so like, that's just the, you know, that's just the process. I believe that, uh, I'm not one of those people that believe that stressing, uh, high stress situations help software engineers. I'm having gone, gone through that and seen a boot camp uh, lifestyle, like in military and then seeing it in like a code school boot camp. I just felt like, especially with the level of deep thought that you have to do in problem solving, uh, the brain doesn't react well when it comes to finer motor skills or uh, finer uh, thinking strategies. Uh, we know that in the military. So I try to keep it as stress-free as possible because just it doesn't uh, make sense. Gross motor skills, uh, they work fine when you're on high levels of stress. But when you come to like, you know, the finer minute, uh, minute 
details. Like you can uh, just ask the, any person that's worked in EOD. That that's not uh, that that is a really draining process. Uh, EOD, EOD is yeah uh, explosive ordnance disposal. Basically, guys that uh, <laughs> uh, defuse bombs. Uh, but I, what I was saying is that you can ask those guys, and they let you know that is like really not the optimal place where you know, position you want to be in when you're problem solving. So that's one of the things that I focus on is a more holistic approach to problem solving, building projects, and then focusing on how to problem solve. So they help build something. Uh, we spend like the first three months just building stuff before we get down to just solving problems with languages. Uh, I want them to have a lot of experience of how to build applications. And then the last month, all they're doing is like uh, what we like to say, interview style problem solving, like how to, you know, how to read this user story and then solve it. Or, you know, so we use such uh, great products like Interview Cake as well to help with that. Uh, we have a mock, we have so many companies that come in and do mock interviews for us. We're really happy with like people like Lokion, uh, Pluralsight that just volunteer people to come into our Slack channel to be uh, mock interviewers. So that's really cool. Uh, that's just something that things that I've learned just in my own experience is that you just have to have a, you have to have a, not a, well, I guess it is what it's called is a smarter, not harder approach. I don't believe in like just killing yourself or I believe that you have to look at it from a, from a more tactical approach and, you know, handle the problem that way. I have a quick question and I, I'm going to back us up just a little bit, but you've used a lot of terms and, um, I mean, I, I know that the military has a lot of sort of in, internal language similar to what programmers have when we talk about the problems we're trying to solve and the technologies we're trying to solve them with. Um, how important is that common language that you have as veterans to the process of teaching people how to code? Oh, it's, the, it's literally, I think it's our main advantage is that everybody speaks the same lingo. Everybody has the same uh, training to fall back on. So I can like, literally, we've only, only time we've seen like a deer in the headlights moment is when we have coasties in the Slack channel during the class. Like, that's it. Uh, but uh, Navy guys, Marines, uh, Air Force and Army, when it comes to some of the bigger or some of the more serious missions, because we all cross train or cross deploy with each other, uh, we all have similar uh, lingo. lingo. But it's only when we have uh, Coast Guard guys in there because they never really, I think the furthest they go is like Alaska. And they're looking at us like, you know, bro, what the heck did you just say? And I'm like, all right, can someone else break it down for them? <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll break for five minutes and let one of you guys tell them. <laughs> so, but it's just, it's, you know, that comfort level that, because you, you, I don't think you guys ever seen the meme of like how veterans feel in uh like when they go to school or when they go to college after they get leave service but they essentially they have uh, adam sandler from billy madison and like uh i think he's in first grade in the first grade class with all the little kids and he's in a classroom and that's how most veterans feel like i even tell people my own personal story of how when i first got out of the military i my first time trying to go back to school how like even though i was like 24 Everybody else that was around me, I was like, yo, these people are like kids. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> but like, I, I was like, everybody looks like they're either trying to be like Nicki Minaj or like Wiz Khalifa. And I'm over it's here. It's not a good jeans. thing. Yeah, I'm over here in jeans and a T-shirt and like uh, U.S. Air Force hat. I'm like, I stand out like a sore thumb. They're looking at me like, you know, even my wife, she's like, you've never really acted your age. So you know, the military does that for you. Like you're, you know, you're forced to grow up really, really fast, especially during the era of the time that I was serving, where it was really, really a lot of high turnover and high deployments. Uh, so that's when, like, I get that all the time. And the biggest relief they have is that they just feel like they're in a room with people who, you know, get them. So they can uh, just relax and not worry about them saying something like, AA, like AAR or sit rep. And like people are looking like, what did this person say? Or somebody's looking, trying to figure out or having a you know, question like, then the one question that we 
one person said, you know, it's really good to be in a finally an educational environment where somebody who's not a veteran they ask you, have you ever shot somebody? Like it was like oh, wow. every yeah, he was like every educational environment you're in, someone always asks you, have you ever were you ever in action or something like that? Like I'm here just like you trying to learn and this is the first environment we've been in where no one's where I've been in where no one's asked me that question. I was like, well, <laughs> that's not really what's important here is to see what type of action you did overseas. We're trying to get you ready for the next uh, stage of your life. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a very humbling, a very like awesome experience. Like I'm a part of, you know, so many people's like ne- next stage planning for their life. Uh, like I said, <clears throat> excuse me. We had guys uh, from all over, uh, even as far as Germany, we actually had one accident in which a guy from the Canadian Army applied for our course. And we were like, uh, you don't qualify because you're not American. Uh, so that was <laughs> that was funny. We uh, I gave him some free stuff, though, so he shouldn't be too mad. I didn't know that he was like, like, wow, they're hearing about us in Canada. That's pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, what it really helps being a part of this one team, one fight military community and military family. Like these guys, they absolutely they love it because, you know, they actually feel like, you know, they're not competing with each other for jobs. They feel, you know, we're all here to make each other better. And that, I know Sarah and she can uh, definitely piggyback on this, but there are some code schools that sometimes just gets catty when people just feel like they're in competition with each other to get jobs and we try to keep that down as much as possible yeah and you mentioned earlier that you i think you helped a lot of the students actually get jobs when they leave the vetsu code program and i'm wondering do you see issues with that transition as well similar to you know them coming back to civilian life when they get actual developer jobs and they're on dev teams have you seen issues with them being able to engage in that culture effectively? Um, some, yes, some, no. Well, we, it, sometimes it depends on, we try to find things at first, or I even hate, I hate this term, uh, but it, uh, for some in the tech community, it matters a lot more than other communities. Uh, culture fit. Uh, some places are just better for some veterans than other uh, places. Some jobs are better than for veterans, for some veterans and other veterans. Uh, one of the things that what we have learned is that organizations that have what, um, at least what I like, really clunky workflows, like if you have like a bunch of third-party tools that you're using, because we do everything through the command line, through the terminal. So our guys, you know, they're, they're using only Git when it comes to their workflows. And like even from the, even their user stories and stuff like that, they're doing everything through Git. They're using Markdown and Git. So when you go to a workplace that's using SourceTree and Confluence and basically the whole uh, Atlassian family of apps, they're like, all right, what is this? And so they get frustrated because they're like, you know, you didn't train us on that. I was like, honestly, I didn't know that many people were running towards these type of third-party source apps. And that's one thing that we had to look at and start focusing on some. I'm not a fan of uh, source tree and uh, confluence, but I'm not aware of any. I'm not aware of any competition for GitHub personally as an employee of GitHub. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. Yeah, I see. But like, GitHub but I mean, is just, like what we just use. Just it's so easy. So for us, that's what we just use all the time. That's Wait, all because of me. It's all because of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going into any development job expecting to use the tools you already know, uh, that's not a thing. Yeah, that's one thing we let them know that there is going to always be a learning curve. Like, uh, and just confidence. That's another thing that we come to. Like, it's usually after their first couple of mock interviews, they realize, holy crap, I actually know this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what happens is because they're, because we keep, we keep the rooms, we keep the course, the team small so that they can learn everything. But when they're only, in that small of an environment, there's no, I guess, healthy ways to gauge themselves because they're gauging themselves in people they don't feel like they're competing with. So they think that they are not like, am I getting this? Am I good? Or am I not? I mean, I know you're going to tell me I'm good because or I'm getting this because you're the instructor and this is your program. But like, how would I tell if I'm getting this or not? And I'm like, well, that's what the meetups are for. Having conversations with other Rubyists will let you know if you're understanding like what we're talking about. And 
same concept like that we that just I learned I tell them all the time it's it's a confidence thing you never are going to know if if you're good at something until you go into the live action drills so once we're doing it and like once you get out just like baby birds you got to kick them out the nest and let these guys go and see how good they are on their own and, and you know I'm always proud of them and it's like yo you guys can do this you just have to know that you have to trust yourself and trust your training. And, and it's so funny because that goes back to what we learn in the military about trusting the training and trusting like what you know, like how to, from Ruby blocks to methods to the thought process on how to break down a user story and solve it. So like, you know, that's, uh, th- these are just some things that we have encountered over the past a uh, couple of uh, not sessions, I guess cohorts would be the best word to say. So, Jerome, I've heard you use the word guys a lot, and I'm not going to yell at you for that, but I'm, it does make me wonder about the gender breakdown of um, participants in the Vet Two Code program. Do you have? We, we always try to go for uh, women. Women and minorities always get priority in Vet Two Code. I say guys and troops because I say that I'm working on it. I'm not perfect, but. <laughs> that's just <laughs> something that uh something that i've always said but uh i think so far 20 percent of the people that have come through are female we're trying to get those numbers up higher i think one of the things that we have to work on is trying to make sure that they know that uh it's a safe space like we don't really care about like your gender and i know that sometimes the tech community can be really uh it can be really aggressive, but I am really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tech community and the military wow. community. But, but I'm a, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, about me. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on Ruby developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average Ruby developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Ruby Rogues link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Ruby Rogues Podcast. My second favorite subject after comic books is uh, history. And I'm very, I'm very aware of like what women have given to the computer science industry. Uh, from uh, Ida Lovelace to... Uh, female programmers, uh, game engineers uh, that uh, paved the way for the games my kid likes to play now to uh, even the work that women have done in NASA. So, like, I'm very, um, I definitely know that, you know, the women were the pioneers of software engineering. That's one thing I always try to bring up when we have, uh, when we have troops who are female ask questions like, oh, no, this isn't, I don't feel like, you know, if anything, you'll probably have a higher chance of succeeding more than the guys because you're a woman and you're smarter than us anyway. So, like, we've all nice. taken too many hits, hits to the head. And, um, we like, the way we, when our interviewing process, what we always try to do is that we look at the makeup of the military and we also look at the makeup of the tech community. And we try to flip it when it comes to the classes that we, to our class. So, for instance, in the tech community, I believe it's less than 8% is women. And in uh, the military community, we have about about the same with 10 to 8. So, And then we also look at it when it comes to like LGBT um, as well. And we try to flip that to ensure that we have a healthy mix of those, at least over the calendar year, coming in. And it actually looks reversed. So we are always – I think what it is is just, uh, we are always asking – uh, going and reaching to those communities to see for people to try to come into our coursework. But the harsh reality is they feel like they may end up being judged or they feel like they maybe feel like they're not good enough or things like that. And we are still trying, we're trying really, really hard to work on that. And I like, you can ask any of my team. Uh, that's one of my biggest things because I'm being an African American male. I'm very big on tech inclusion because 
I know how hard personally it is to bring in a tech. And uh, I want to, I tell people all the time, I left my family in uh, Memphis to go to New York to shore up my skills, to accelerate my skills, just to make sure, just so I can break into tech. So I know for a fact that it's, um, I know for a fact it's uh, difficult to break into tech with as anything else. So that's when I'm always on the search for that uh, talent that just doesn't look like what people think a military veteran is. And I was just going to say that's really great. Go ahead, Jessica. Um, as people who are already in tech, what can we do at our companies and our meetups? How could we make our places more veteran, more welcoming to people like veterans? Uh, well, your first thing would be to go and go into these communities. A lot of things, what I'm seeing is that from my experience, tech community isn't reaching out as well as it could to um, communities, uh, and not, not just veterans, but completely when it comes across the board with women, uh, LGBT, uh, and veterans. is You're not reaching out and seeing, uh, you're not not reaching out and being able to see that, you know, these people are different, but we can, you know, the next Bill Gates, the next Steve Jobs can be in these groups. So, and it's probably be a woman or maybe transgender and just having that fearless thought process. Uh, I think that's one of the things that puts us apart from the other guys that we're just, I'm fearless. I go into communities all the time and like, People are like, why are you at this meetup if you're not queer? You don't like identify as queer. And I'm like, uh, I didn't know that I had to be queer to be at a queer meetup. So I'm just, I like to just go out there and meet people and see, because that's where I, you know, I found one veteran there. And like, she didn't even know about programs like us. And that's because, you know, we, if we had never walked into that type of community, she wouldn't have known. She would have never known. So that's what we focus on. We actually, uh, you know, go into places like Code Newbies podcast and talking to people who may not even know that there's an option out there for them like us. Uh, these are things that we, um, that we do all the time. And we always ask that the, instead of you going to, uh, instead of you doing a meetup about ES6, go to, uh, Donate to your local CrossFit or local like young vets organizations that's going to do a MRF or even worse, get find even better, find like the really the only like I know every tech <laughs> every tech company has this one dude that's like hyper fit for no reason. Like you have all the muscles for you know you want to stop going to the gym. So have that dude go out there with the veterans <laughs> and com- do the complete the MRF with them and then take pictures of him vomiting and post it on the next Christmas card. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like things like that. Like you know that's part of the military community that, you know, people don't even know that like about Lieutenant Murphy and, you know, that there's a CrossFit exercise named after him and how his valor when he was overseas and how he um, ended up losing his life in war. And so what we do every year is, and uh, his favorite set of exercises called the Murph and it's brutal. That's why I say pick the healthiest guys, the guys that won't have your insurance deductibles go all the way up. And, uh, have them go out there and vomit on everybody while they're doing it. So they like, you know, November 11th coming up. There's so many things, uh, so many opportunities for tech community to actually come out and reach out into their veteran communities and see what they can do. Uh, anywhere from going to uh, the local student veteran uh, center on uh, some colleges are starting to do that to, uh, hosting a vet, a veteran hackathon on November 11th, especially one of the things that we want to do, uh, we're still, we're still working on the king. So we want to do code in the dark and in, uh, New York and Nashville. And that's what we're focusing on. Cause it's a nice front end web development. Uh, it, web front end web development is not as, uh, intimidating for some people than for most people than like Ruby or, Python, so doing that and just having these guys, these guys and girls have so much, have fun and like you know, just make it like a party. And you know, I think as a we have to meet you guys halfway. We just can't put it all in the tech community, but we have to be you know willing to like all right, just you know, will we like to just like how we would do in uh, Iraq or Afghanistan? We have to immerse ourselves into the community because we know that it's 
easier and safer to tra- for that transition when we do that type of immersion. So that's one thing that we actually preach in Vetsuko that, you know, uh, uh, the easiest way to, to uh, make a smooth transition or make a smooth uh, integration is to actually go out there and, and get to know the people, acknowledge the differences, and respect them. Uh, that's something that we learned uh, in the military when it comes to going into other countries. This is very funny. We were like, why don't they ever show that part of us like actually having dinner with like uh, people in Iraq and villages and stuff in, in their homes mm-hmm. on TV? They never show that part. But, you know, they show all the crazy stuff that is literally 8% of our job. We Like really 60% of our jobs is sitting around and waiting for something bad to happen or preparing to make something good happen. <laughs> so I was like, why not just... Uh, use that training and learn the military for good. Uh, stay, read your documentation, uh, integrate into your cult, into your communities. That's why we focus on the meetups once a month. Uh, we focus on them going to other Slack channels, getting their local Slack channel, uh, getting on Twitter. You would be amazed how many of our guys come through and they don't have a Twitter or a LinkedIn. And I'm like, you have to, like, how do you communicate with the outside world? Uh, <laughs> how do people know you're looking for a job? I'm confused. So these are all things that we work on. We have them set this stuff up. And, you know, LinkedIn has a great program with their LinkedIn for Veterans and Linda for Veterans. It's basically uh, free premium LinkedIn Linda accounts for a year if you served in the military. Uh, any veteran that hears that or thinks about that, please go get that. It's a year of uh, something that would cost $349 to a civilian, and that's free for you for a year. Like, don't hesitate. Just get it. Start building your network. Start sharing the stuff you're doing and get the job you want. One thing that uh, struck me earlier in the show is you mentioned that you accepted six applications out of 113, I think you said. Yes, sir. Um, are you looking to expand Vetsu Code, and in what ways are you looking to do that if you are? Yes, sir. We are definitely looking to expand Vetsu Code. Uh, we're looking at ways of like adding more instructors. Well, one thing I would like to do is start having a cohort per time zone because it's hard on me and it's hard on some of the students that are in different time zones, me being central, uh, sometimes eastern. And what happens is some guys that are on the West Coast, it's really tough for them because they're used to at work when we do class. Or uh, even when we were trying to do it for the West Coast, it was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to bed. It's seven with them. It's like nine, ten where I'm at. So I'm like, okay, we have to, one of the things we want to do that, we want to expand maybe in meetups in other cities. And one of the things that we're also looking at is possibly just a Vetsu Code Fund to help veterans regardless, especially when it comes to the code schools. Uh, Because having, uh, like I said, my experience, I went to a code school. And I went from a town that did not have nearly the level of cost of living that Manhattan does. And that's a cost that a lot of code schools don't really think about. Like, you know, it's not just all right, you're giving someone a scholarship that's maybe three to four grand off of your uh, cost, but you also need to think about food and lodging and travel. Uh, these are all things that luckily I was prepared for, but not most veterans, especially uh, coming out within the first two uh, years of service, they're not prepared for. They're not prepared to go to New York or D.C. or especially San Francisco. I don't think half the people in San Francisco are prepared for the price of living in, in San Francisco. So that's one thing that we're actually looking at is trying to figure out how do we help veterans by not only giving them scholarships, but creating programs that can offset these costs. So that way we can help the for-profit schools like that veterans want to go to help these guys as well. Cause in the end, that's what we want to do. Uh, I want to help as many veterans as I can break into technology because I feel like the more different types of eyes, different types of people we have looking at a project, the better these projects are going to be. Um, and even as now with Google trying to get into military tech, and it's you know constantly getting pushed back because Google has a lot of developers but not a lot of veterans. So they're not building the tools we need based upon our specifications, especially in regards to robotics. If anybody remember that uh, robot dog that they were building to, for the Marines, Marines kicked that back in like three minutes. They were like, yo, this is garbage. We can't work with this because this is giving away our position. This is clunky. 
How are we, I mean, what does it do outside of look scary? Um, <laughs> like that's the thought process that we Shock have. Shock and awe. Yeah. <laughs> people don't think about, <laughs> you know, people don't think, you know, it's more effective to not be heard and to look menacing uh, when you're in a, in, our, in some of those hot, um, hot spots that we go to. So that's a, uh, something that I'm really interested in. And a lot of the veterans, we they actually want to go do um, a lot of good as well. So we're looking at maybe expanding our coursework into languages that focus on a lot of scripting because uh, several of our veterans actually want to work with uh, using technology to help capture child predators. And that was a very unique mission that some of them are motivated for or like poachers and things of that nature. So we have, and that's one of the hardest things about our culture and our community and technology is that we're getting, when it comes to helping with jobs, we're getting our veterans who they want to learn technology, but they also want to have purpose when they're using technology. So we're, you know, talking to guys at Rubicon, talking to WWP, seeing who has like uh, relationships so that way we can help those veterans that not only want to learn software, but they also want to work with a purpose to like make, you know, a lot of these guys and girls, they, you know, they still want to make the, their country a, a great place. You know, mission, the service doesn't stop once the uniform comes on. That's like, that's just like I tell people, the only difference between me being in the military and me now is that I get to choose my uniform and it's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, and a lot of guys, a lot of people are coming back like that. And that's what we want to focus on, like is helping them, you know, achieve their dreams after service. Are there uh, really common areas that uh, veterans like to go into in the tech sector? Like, like outside the tech sector, law enforcement is primarily made up of ex-military folks because they basically you get to stay in the executive branch uh, by doing that. Is there, like you At, said, going after child predators? Do you do you see people going into like infosec or anything like that? Yes, they all they want to go into infosec. They they want to go into open data. One of the problems with that, what you just said, is that uh, when you go to these veteran meetups, they are tired that the only thing that civilians think they're good for is another first responder position or another mm -hmm. government position. Mm -hmm. They're like, give us a chance to go out there to. Uh, Show the world that we can do something good in another um, in another yeah. field. Please don't uh, bottleneck us into this environment in which we can only work in government, and that's the only way we can make a decent living. If not, we're starting at the bottom and in whatever field. Um, all Thank over. you. I had I had that uh, misperception. Thank you for for pointing that out. So, what are like? I, I can't imagine. Uh, these folks finding a lot of purpose generating coupon codes for people. Um, do they, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, I'm going to back up and just call myself out for saying these people. Um, I apologize, Jerome. Uh, you, you deserve better from me. Um, what, let me, let me ask you to elaborate a little bit more. What kind of sectors do you see grouping in there? Uh, what infosec, cybersecurity, are two uh, two of the places we've seen a lot of interest in. Blockchain is another oh, yeah. uh, sector that a lot of veterans are coming. They want to learn everything about blockchain. We actually have a guy, Blake Miles, who we specifically went off uh, course when it comes to training with Ruby on Rails and focused on blockchain and uh, Python and JavaScript and, spe and specifics of Node and uh just focus on helping him and training him with that. So that way nice. he could uh, be, he's our blockchain guy. And like, you know what, you want to talk about that, talk to him because I have nothing to do with Bitcoin or blockchain. And, you know, there's so, there's so much stuff to learn. I just turned 30. Like, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do the next 10 years. Uh, so that's one thing. Those are several things that we uh, – those are several industries that we see that veterans love. But they also – they want to do social entrepreneurship. Like they want to give back and they want to give back to their cultures or their communities or other places. So uh, there was a lot of veterans that they, I've, I've been in talks with the women who code in uh, DC for the last recent um, weeks, because we have veterans that come in and they want to help other women break into uh, 
tech without for coming from unconventional uh, unconventional like career paths. We have a young woman who she's uh, she was infantry and she wants to. She was one of the first people that was able to get into infantry, and she's currently on her last year. She cross trained out of her current job to get into infantry, and she wants to be able to she just learn how to program and she wants to help other women who want to learn how to program come into the service and i'm like this is you know awesome and i think that's what it is it's about veterans you know learning something and you know using it to give back just make a better space in the country period so that's awesome we're getting to the point where we need to start wrapping up and uh, one thing that i have seen with doing podcasts like this and uh talking to people like you and by people like you i mean um, I worked for seven months as a missionary very closely with uh, serving military in the Air Force who were stationed at Aviano Air Base in Italy. Um, <laughs> I love Aviano. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? Um, yes. But I also have a neighbor who's currently deployed to Iraq. I, I have a couple of cousins that have served in the Air Force. My brother-in-law's in the Air Force serving in Abilene, Texas right now. And so I kind of envision a program like this helping people that I care about. But I'd kind of like to be able to share the idea in a more concrete, concrete way with other people. And so I'm wondering, is there a story that you can tell us or an example you can give us of somebody who Vets Who Code has really helped change their life or give them direction in their life? Uh, Roger that. Uh, but we'll go back to uh, Blake Miles. He had been bouncing around trying to find the perfect tools, learn how to uh, code and what had happened was we literally just met we had a random introduction through someone at GA and we started training him in Python and blockchain and now uh, he's a uh, he deals with development at a company called uh, I believe it's stay Stabilitas or something like that can't I'm probably murdered that name I apologize in advance but they uh, handle a lot of security they actually handle security uh, uh, infosec for the Olympics in Rio, and, and a funny story: uh, Andrew Chang, who's in charge of uh, Eastern Foundry, is actually a investor of that of the, of the company, and we didn't know until about two weeks ago. So one of our students had been working with uh, one of the one of our students had been working at a company that one of our partner companies had. Um, founder had become like an investor in for like months and we didn't know until like the olympics rolled around or uh something that hits a little closer to home is you guys know today uh itt tech is closed down for good and we have a young airman uh his name is uh, tyrone allen who we've just finished up training and we're going to uh we're going through training. We're going through training with him. We just finished up, and now we're going to the job interview process. But just like similar story, what like hundreds of thousands of people are about to go through. He was going to a for-profit college. He was his post-9/11 GI Bill, learned design and development. Was a really strong designer. Needed something to uh, strengthen his skill sets uh, a little bit, so he can make a easier transition out of the military. And his for-profit college closed up on him, and just you know poof ex- didn't like cease to exist so his degree was meaningless and they didn't teach him a lot of the uh skills that he needed in regards to software uh development and one of the things that he wanted to become was a front-end web developer and he couldn't get those every time he would go for an interview as a designer first thing they asked him was did he know how to code and he was like this not knowing how to code was is stopping me from feeding uh, my family, giving my kids the type of job, the type of life they need. So that's what we actually, we did another special mission with him and focused really strong on LAMP stack with, as well with Rails for him. So that way he could get in transition into, uh, start focusing on transitioning into a software, uh, front end software developer. Uh, and things like that, that we have stories like that that come through all the time of people who, you know, they're good. They're good people. They've served their country. They've just been in, um, as you guys know, the for-profit college uh, situation has been a really black eye on education in the past five years. And, you know, they just fall into the wrong type of the wrong type of traps. And we just and we do what we can to help them. 
Uh, we make introductions. We train them for interviews. We train them how to code. We do everything. We ask nothing for these people outside of, you know, you do the best for you and your family. And I think that's what, you know, anyone would ask anyone that's served their country, right? Yeah, I agree. If people want to support uh, the effort that you're putting out there to help vets who code, uh, especially to grow, to reach more people, to make a difference, um, both as volunteers and monetarily, what are the best ways to do that? All right. Um, if you want to support Vets Who Code uh, as a volunteer, please uh, either contact us through our, hel our hello at Vets Who Code or, you know, contact me personally at Jerome at Vets Who Code and just, you know, put your tag on that volunteering, something of that nature, and I'll be sure to get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, uh, as forward to giving, go to our website. We have donate buttons, and if you're a company that likes to have fun, uh, we've partnered with this company called Give Lively, and uh, they have this technology called Swear Jar. So you can literally set up in your Slack channel a swear jar or a gift jar, if you will. And whenever someone sends a stupid gift or something, it sends a donation to us. So those are two. Uh, That's cool. Thank you. Uh, they're actually New York based. I'll send you an introduction uh, to them. Uh, those are um, our two main ways. And just always, you know, if you see a veteran uh, that see an early stage transition veteran, uh, either send them our way or, you know, take the initiative and just uh, help them. Help them, you know, you can, you don't, they don't have to come through us for you to help them. They can, um, you can be that uh, shining light in darkness, as we like to say in the Slack channel. Very cool. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, push us into picks, and then we'll just remind people to go donate at the end of the show. Uh, Jessica, do you have some picks for us? I do have a pick today. I want to pick Scala Parser Combinators because I've been working in those, and they're actually amazing. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, operators with, like, symbols, like, tildes and arrows. And it's astounding how, like, and I I do not know parser combinator things, but how quickly I picked it up. So there must be something to them. And I feel really smart when I'm working in them because I feel like I'm encoding my knowledge of the file format that I'm parsing until it doesn't work. And then it's like, oh, my God, what is it even doing? And it's so hard to figure out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you need to parse some, like, serious files like code files scala parser combinators are cool the end nice all right Coraline, what are your picks um even though i've had seven weeks to think about it i only have one pick today and it's just um it's a toy it's called boil the frog it is an experiment that spotify came up with um i saw it at RailsConf, demonstrated by um paul amir who gave the closing keynote so the idea is you give Boiler Frog two artists, and in my example, I'm going to use Beyonce at a Bauhaus, and it calculates a path using affinity for using affinity data for how you could get someone who likes Beyonce to listen to a Bauhaus song. So in the case of Beyonce at a Bauhaus, it goes Beyonce to Nicole Scherzinger, Gwen Stefani, No Doubt, Garbage, Scarling, Darling Violetta, Switchblades Symphony, London After Midnight, Sisters of Mercy, Bauhaus. And it actually generates a playlist that you could send to someone saying, yeah, I know you like Beyonce. I bet you're going to love this gospel music that Coraline listens to. So anyway, it's a nice. fun little toy. Um, it's a nice little example of like machine learning algorithms um, used for fun instead of evil. Um, and uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. All right. So I'm going gonna... to I'm gonna plug in Rob Zombie and Mormon Tabernacle Choir and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Saran, what are your picks? So I have many picks, so I have already won this game. Um, but one of my picks is apple picking. So I went apple picking with my two cousins who don't know who Destiny's Child is. It's very disappointing. Uh, but we went to a farm, and we got on a tractor wagon and picked yellow apples and red apples. I don't know, apple names. And it was just awesome. It was just really, really cool. You know, I'm, I'm mostly in the city all the time, so being able to be in nature and see trees was awesome. So while apple picking is still in season, I highly recommend everyone give it a try. It is really cool. Uh, number two is a set of notebooks that I really, really like. They're called Markings Notebook. 
And it is by a company called C.R. Gibson. And it's basically the best moleskin knockoff you'll ever find. It's like nine bucks, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And I just, I swear by it. I use it for everything. It comes in all different fun colors. And it's just, it's just really, really freaking good. So if you're too cheap for a moleskin like me, uh, try out the markings notebook. My third pick is, I don't know if everyone's seen the Ruby Conf trailer, but they have a trailer and it's really freaking good. I, I didn't, I've never known a conference to put on like a promo for their conference, but they base it off of last year's RubyConf. And it's just, it just got me really excited about RubyConf. So check it out. Um, it's on their website. It's a two minute trailer, just gives you a sense of what it feels like, what the community is like, and it's awesome. And my final pick is um, our own interview that we did for Code Newbie with Jerome Hardaway. And it was episode 87 for Vetsu Code. So if you want to listen to more stuff that Jerome said and more awesome things, I highly encourage you to check it out. And that's all I got. All right. David, what are your picks? I actually don't have any picks today, but it's been forever since I've done a hot sauce pick. So just very quickly, um, I think I I don't think I've done this one on the show. I think I've told one of our guests this in 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 private in the after call. Um, but there's a sauce that I like to make. Uh, you can make this at home. It's very easy to do. I call this sauce chastity because you will respect it in the morning because it's a sauce that will trick you. It will encourage you to eat way more than you should have. And this is, again, you can make this at home. All you need is about a tablespoon of cayenne pepper, a tablespoon of ranch dressing, and a tablespoon of sugar. And you mix those three together. It makes a, a reddish, creamy sauce. And all of the capsaicin is wrapped up in ranch dressing. And so it tastes sweet and tangy and goes down really, really easy, and you end up eating way too much on it of it. And uh, the most ridiculous food pairing of it ever is hot dogs. Just nuke a hot dog and then chop it up into bits <laughs> and uh, eat it. And if you substitute uh, the sugar with uh, Splenda, you can have this if you're low carbing. So that's how I discovered this hot sauce. So that's I like the pick. idea. I like the idea of nuking a hot dog. It just sounds really badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> You need the launch codes for that, right? <laughs> All right. Um, I've got a couple of picks here. Um, the first one is, now I'm not picking what the video is about, but the, the video itself was hilarious. Um, so there's a group out there called Balanced Rebellion, and basically they're people that don't like Hillary or Trump. And so they put this video up there, and it, you know, anyway, it's got Abe Lincoln as the spokesperson, and it's really, really funny. So I'm picking the video. And uh, you can think what you want about the actual movement. But anyway, it's, it was, I, I laughed through the whole thing. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's one pick. And then, um, let's see. Um, so my other pick is, I don't think it's too late to pick uh, Rails Remote Conf. So if you're interested in coming to Rails Remote Conf, if you're looking for a conference experience that doesn't involve travel, that's what this is about. And we'll have a whole bunch of great speakers on Rails. Jerome, do you have some picks for us? Uh, yes, I actually have one pick. Um, I was just thinking. Uh, well, maybe two. Uh, first pick, um, Tech Inclusion Conference. It's in San Francisco. Uh, a great friend of mine, great supporter of Mexico, Wayne Sutton. He um, he operates this, basically helping um, share, open that open the room for conversation for veterans and people of color, women uh, in general, so that they can be more visible in the tech community. I think it's a really great uh, conference. And then I, if you're in the San Francisco area or if you just want to, uh, if you're planning on going to San Francisco uh, anytime soon or you have to get it off your bucket list like I uh, did, where I was like, oh, snap, I'm about to turn 30 and I need to hurry up and go to a tech conference before I get that age. Uh, you can go there. Um, second conference, second one. Um, I think everyone knows that my favorite thing is like fashion and shopping. I think I told Sarah that I um, I was. That's the one thing that I stand out from like both my military bros and like tech people. They're like, you like to shop. Like you're a like a express guy. That's kind of weird. Uh, but my favorite. Uh, I'm gonna. When it comes to affordable, cool stuff, 
another company that I really enjoy just uh, because I'm lazy at the same time, and they just mail the stuff to me uh, once a month. A company called Spreza Box. They send me these nice little accessories, nice little ties and uh, lapel flowers and stuff. Stuff that it, like my wife's like, oh, that's really cute. And I'm like, yes, I still got it. Uh, I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> you know, happy wife, happy life. Got to mm-hmm. keep her this happy. Uh, that and another one, uh, Nutribox. Uh, they do a, they have a really great uh, biohacking uh, product, especially I really love their Sprint. So these guys, like, they're the real deal when it comes to, like, uh, the whole biohacking phenomenon. Uh, I still owe their CEO uh, 22 push-ups because he called me out on Twitter for the 22 push-ups a day. And um, also, (laughs) side note, if you have veterans in your family, in your circle, stop calling them out for the 22 push-ups challenge. Like, uh, I've, I've been called out four times, and I'm like, this is like... I do 22 push-ups for every time for 22 days every time and called out. I'm gonna be doing push-ups every day this year. I'm like <laughs> one, just one and done it, y'all. Like so. Outside of that, that's it. All right, and as promised, as we wrap up the show, uh, first of all, if you want to support Vetsu Code, uh, send an email to hello at vetsucode.io if you want to volunteer. Um, and then Jerome also gave out his email address. If you want to donate, go to vetsucode.io and find the donate button. Um, and with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thank you for coming, Jerome. Thank you for having me. Um, it was a really fun show, and like we listened to this. It's one of our recommended pod uh, podcast. Excuse me, podcasts for our veterans. So standing code newbies, and I think that's pretty much it. It's one two we really recommend. So all right, awesome. thank thank, thank you for your it. service. Thank you, thank you. Um, Take care. All right. Yeah, it's a great day.